T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Good morning. Welcome in. Saturday suckage. Yo, 1104. I'm as surprised as you are that this continues. And every other week, apparently, is all somebody can stomach. Mailman Ron already texting in. Says the only thing that sucks more than this show is not having Spiegel on the show. Spiegel's on the show. Hello. So it sucks that, well, we don't. We never know who's going to be here. I'm I glad you're here. I, I, hi, Matt Spiegel. Uh, hi there, Steve. I, I can't follow the sucking logic, really. It, I, I, it's, it's very confusing to me. So It's a public service. We're pleasers, not teasers. Okay. We so are it's... doing it. We're doing it selflessly. We suck so other people don't have to. If your life is is filled with soul-crushing woes, we are here to absolve them of that. Remember the, the ancient biblical story of all of the sins put on the ass and he was moved out. He was shoved out into the, into the city and he was left... He, he left the town. I think I might have blown off that day of Hebrew school. <laughs> it's Saturday. It's Shabbat. And you well, can't say that. No, I used to blow off Hebrew school. You know, what uh-huh. kind of, you know what kind of kid I was? I used to take, um, used to pretend I was going to Hebrew school. Instead of going, I would take a book into the shed in my backyard, the, uh, the, the complete works of O. Henry. This is a true story. And I sat back there and I read O. Henry short stories instead of going to Hebrew school. There's a twist. I, I was an 11-year-old hardcore dork. But there's some good stuff in those, those O. Henry books, though, man. I, Gift yeah, of the I Magi. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, Gift I, of the Magi. Brilliant short stories. Lots of twists. I would find a book. You know what book I read again and again and again? Mm-hmm. We had a kid in school in the second grade. He wrote 30 book reports on Go Dog Go. I don't think there's 30 pages, but he wrote 30 book reports. Did you ever read The Glory of Their Times? No. I recommend it. It stands up now. You're a baseball romantic. This was everything before 1920, right up to Rube Marquard. Mm-hmm. And it was a... It's my second it, favorite Rube. Rube Waddell is number one for I think, me. I think you have another Rube that you might be more... In, Maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Uh, third, third favorite. Marquard. Marquard. <laughs> well, which one was crazy? Was Marquard crazy or Waddell? I think Rube Waddell might have been crazy. I think they all are, based, based on the, the time, the Could era, be. or whatever. So, so I, would, I would read that. That book would be, that was on regularly read that because it was different chapters. And I, Stanley Kowaleski. And I just remembered these names, and it was a beautiful thing. And that's what I would that was it. But I did go to Hebrew school. You know what time in Hebrew school they let us out to go do what we want? I rolled a tire down the slide and it went right into the glass of the window. Oh, see? Hey, as long as we got here, Rube Waddell was indeed an insane person. He was a pitcher, right? And he won 193 games. But just just dig this. Waddell was unpredictable. Early in his career, he would leave mid-game to go fishing. <laughs> it gets better. I remember one of them was crazy. He had a long-standing fascination with fire trucks, and he had run off the field to chase after them during games. If he is on the field and a fire truck went by, he ran after it. <laughs> oh my! God. 
Could you imagine? That That would be in the scouting report these days. Yeah, so get the man a fire truck. Right. He performed as an alligator wrestler in the offseason, and he was easily distracted by opposing fans who held up puppies and shiny ob- objects, which seemed to put him in a trance on the mound. Well, this was ADD. This was before we had a name for it, and there was nothing... No research being done on oh, it. That God. was ADD. Yeah, wow, that's the thing. And then there was alcoholism, kind of, and then there was an right, early was death at age babe, 37. Babe Ruth going across the street. <laughs> okay, so I know you've talked a lot of baseball. We will get back to that. I'll mm-hmm. read our guest list in a moment. But this Bears game tomorrow, I am so looking forward to because I think it is a terrific barometer of how good of a coach Matt Nagy is, how strong mentally Mitch Trubisky and this team is because they've had, they're coming off a record game. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. Trubisky individually, the team, the offense, the defense has been exceptional. The defense is it's, it's everything your 85 bears would have imagined in this era. But now they've had two weeks, a lot of smoke blowing up their backsides. They have, they have, Mitch Trubisky's arm sleeve, I think, is getting its own endorsement deal. It is, but but you're dealing with a so much so soon, and all the positive things. I, my vibes are positive about this team. Sure, you think theirs are as well. And they're playing against a Dolphins team that look like they've just gotten destroyed. They choked one game, and before that, New England destroyed them. They look horrible. Tannehill might not make it. Here comes Brock Osweiler. By the way, Laramie Tunsil probably will get concussed on the first. Bull rush, and you're looking at a team that looks. The one thing they do is they take the ball away. The Dolphins' defense will intercept you, but that's what they do. Are you worried about the Bears showing up, believing too much of themselves, and having a letdown? I'm not worried because I don't care. They do or they don't. I think it's a barometer of just how grounded they are. Yeah, worried the wrong word. So are you? Um, you know, you, you can put in the word, but you, but this this is your wonder. You're going to see just how grounded they are. I can't imagine that they would get too high on the freaking hog when they're this young and this unaccomplished other than really? a nice little three-in-one Have, have you watched professional sports with I, young players playing? This might I not have. be the NBA, but you can see it from here. I have. Well, on defense, though, they're all following Khalil Mack, and that guy is not going to let down one iota. Excellent point. And on offense, they're all following a young quarterback and a young head coach who are relentlessly trying to prove themselves. I think they're going to be hungry and on on point from that perspective, m- much of the year. I think you have an you have an exciting window where you're going to have them very much focused and very dialed in. I don't think you have to worry about that kind of stuff. They just might not be good enough. Is my concern. I think what we saw against a really bad they did to a bad team what you're supposed to do to a bad team mm-hmm. against Tampa. Loved that, but can they do that against? Well, good this teams? is a this is a. I don't know, but this is another bad team. This is a team with holes, but this is a team with one significant defensive strength that could frustrate Mitch Trubisky, but it could be the kind of game you'd want to see Jordan Howard win for you or Jordan Howard eat up for you, and Khalil Mack's going to win it because he's going to put out every quarterback or they're going to rip the ball away. Mm. They're going to do something defensively. The defense may outscore the offense in this game. I'm... I can't say, uh, I think worried's the wrong word. I'm anxious to see, as a barometer, Mm -hmm. as a guide, where are they in their maturity? Because they know, whatever they're they're saying about the, they know they're in first place, and they know it means something. And they know the Packers are disintegrating. 
and they know that some team every year, at least one since 2000, 17 out of 18 years or 16 out of seven, the last 17 years, goes from worst to first. Somebody does it. They're in first. There was they a run, were the worst for the last sure, four years. There was a run of like 16 years in this league where there were at least five new playoff teams every year. Six. It was it, there was was six, it six? There were six. It, it one, they, half of them turned over. I've got to, I've got to memorize the particulars of that stat because I've loved it, but I always seem to screw up a little bit. One, and, anyway. one, one year was six where it could completely upside down. So mm-hmm. do not believe that they're – they know where they are. They're lying if they say they don't because they've imagined it. If you're going to believe in anything for the professional sports, professional athletes do as far as visualization – to visualize themselves winning. Where are we? Really? Okay. Well, the Lions are never going to be any good because they never are. And the Packers, all of a sudden, we were the patsy. That's what the Bears are thinking. We were the sucker against the Pats, the Packers mm-hmm. because they're not really that team. We'll be better the next time we play them. And look at the Vikings. They can't pick a kicker. Look at the Vikings. They, they're, they're a good team with a good defense. They're, Kirk Cousins looks pretty good, but... The Bears have to be thinking there's no reason. Oh, it's right here, right in front of you. Yes. It's unbelievable. The the opportunity that has presented itself this fast is amazing. I wanted them to be last year's Rams, and it's just the division is screaming for them to be last year's Rams. So now they've had an extra week to be bathed in this. It's 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 been a spa day. Every day we've written about something, and that's because what we last saw was... Awesome! Mm-hmm. It was just spectacular. So that's why I'm looking forward to this game. I don't whatever Jordan Howard was mad about. Tough. Whatever whatever injuries they're dealing with it, with Anthony Miller. Tough. Their 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 depth. We've seen the variety of talent that they have, and I believe it works against the Dolphins in a lot of ways. I believe they have more ways to win a game than just taking the air out of the foot than just than just John Foxing things. So I want to see how resourceful they are and how grounded they are. I think this is a wonder. Everybody said it was a bad time for a break, right? Oh, my God, you want it later. Oh, they're on a roll. They're on... Well, you know what? Let's, let's have a maturity check. Well, you've got, you've got that level of the break. Um, and you have another level of the break in terms of scheme and strategy and offensive, um, offensive plan. You've now seen what can happen. When you spread things out wide open and you have a bad defense and you give Mitch big, gigantic windows to throw into and throw through, you've seen what the ceiling is. And you get a guy who, whose His ceiling is 154 oh, point whatever that was. Yeah, 158.3 is pretty damn close, right? So you've seen that. Now the options that they have as an offense, as you were talking about, yeah, you could see some more Jordan Howard if the game dictates game situation dictates it if the way that the dolphins choose to defend dictates it and you've had an opportunity to see what your guy does well instead of the entire offseason and preseason and the first four weeks being mitch learn everything you never know what we might do <laughs> seriously learn everything i need to learn every Cramming play for and know every play know every route that everybody's going to run now you've had four weeks they including pull it back. They right pulled it back. they put it now you can dial it in okay he is good at this he is good at that he struggles a little bit with this why don't i pull this back a little bit um you've got you've got data and film and you've had time 
to focus in on that. I so I I mean I don't know that you're going to get the wide open stats and the explosive numbers of Mitch, but you should get a very solid success level in my opinion because you're going to give him things to do that you believe he can do now. And Cameron Wake is listed as I, I don't think he's officially listed as out. I think he was listed didn't practice yesterday. Yeah, I so he he seems likely to be out, but it isn't official. So ESPN ran a stat showed a stat of quarterbacks ratings in particular situations. I believe Trubisky was third. It was about 136 passer rating play action. We always knew that's what he did. Mm. We knew John Fox had no idea what play action was. And I do, I, I do think Dell Loggins got a bad rap. He was certainly more creative. No, 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 no. As far as wanting to try no. things. He was a terrible was, offensive coordinator. Uh, he uh, was, to- I think he was told to be. An embarrassing offensive mind. He's right. now there was all that. working there with, I will not say that he got a bad rap. He got a justifiably horrific rap. I think he got foxed. And that's what happened. That's what I believe. I don't think, it's, it's not like there's been a great offensive mind that has mm-hmm. been unleashed in Miami. But I do think that, that he was better than what, he was allowed to do here because John Fox only knew one way, and that was the wrong way. But I, but we knew Trubisky was more accurate throwing on the run, and that's what he's doing. And that stat, that passer rating for me, uh-huh. backed it up. It's what we've seen. It's play action, or it's rolling out. It's just something where there's a deception, and I think that shows a form of of smart coaching that he doesn't have to stand back there and pick a spot and maybe stare down a receiver because he's distracted the other team. He's made him think. He's given himself an extra half second, mm-hmm. and that's a lifetime in the NFL. Two quick things for me. Um, number one, it uh, doesn't sound like you have any fear for this being the Dowell Loggins revenge game. No, you don't have a lot of fear with that. No, no, he's still reminding. No, yeah. Hey, yeah, but. Me neither. And then. He's still Lou Costello. I I still don't get. We ended up talking about Rube Waddell. No, I'm sorry. Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane. uh, Both. Yes. Um, We ended up talking about Rube Waddell. Our friend Chris Kampka over there on the Twitters points out that today is Rube Waddell's birthday. Today. Today. It's Bashert. It's Bashert right? that we would do that. It's Christopher Kampko, we love him. And, um, and Rube Waddell was born on Friday the 13th, which happened to be this day in 1876, and he died on April Fool's Day. Come on, man. This guy. That's made up. This guy. That's made up. It's, it's amazing, the Rube Waddell stuff that now our listeners have learned whether they wanted to or not. There's going to be a test later on in the show. This is a full bowl of suckage, by the way. At 1140, here's our guest list. Expensive. It's glittering. Sahad of Sharma of The Athletic will be here. We will discuss all thing Cubs. And I'm looking forward to it. Sahad of is, uh, is a terrific writer, terrific reporter. And there's interesting things to, to discuss, starting with the uh, baseball president telling the manager, hey, you're on your own. J.J. Stankovitz of NBC Sports Chicago covers the Bears for them. He will be here. David Schuster, give or take 1230. Um It'll be halftime of the Northwestern game where he is, and then he'll come by and talk Bulls and Jimmy Butler and movies. By the way, Jimmy Butler, I know you love twisted, tortured metaphors. Uh-huh. Jimmy Butler, is he like the wayward Kardashian? Is that is that working for you? Boy. Is that 
He is. Uh, it, it's a pathetic display of ego and humanity. Well, from Jimmy Butler. Thank you very much. Welcome to the show. We <laughs> that's us. And uh, and if that's not enough for you, we'll we'll talk Jabari Parker with David Schuster. We'll talk Jimmy Butler with Chris Hine. You remember Christopher Hine, formerly of absolutely Mike now the Star Tribune. He covers basketball up there. Will you see what kind of what kind of circus that is? What a hypocrite! What a screaming loser Jimmy Butler is viewed as up there. And one twenty, one of my favorite people ever in sports, Darren Pang, former Hawks broad, uh, goalie and a Blues broadcaster. They're playing the Blues tonight. Mm-hmm. The Hawks are hosting the Blues. and The, the voice of NHL 94, I believe. I uh, Maybe not 94, but... I never, a, a, I'm not a video game. Yeah, the voice, of, not NHL 94, but a voice of yeah. the great... The great hockey video games of my youth. Um, you tell me, Darren Pang, I think top shelf, that's where they hide the peanut butter. Because that was the line that I got. That was, really? Yeah. I thought that was Joel Quenville. Uh, no, peanut butter. P- Just Pang, yelling peanut butter behind the bench when they mic'd him up. But Panger used to say it in, in the video game heyday of my life. Long before rookie of the year campaigns became a branding event, Darren Pang invented his own. He was a rookie. Also having a phenomenal rookie season for the Calgary Flames was Joe Newendike. Pang had a shirt. Panger. Darren Pang had a shirt made up that said Pang. Big capital letters. Easier to spell than Newendike. <laughs> True story. We love Darren. We will talk to him about the, uh, the Blues, the Hawks, and Duncan Keith plays his 1,000th game tonight. And I had Zach find the song. I love that song. He's Duncan Keith, and he's got oh no teeth. One of the greatest moments in a in hockey playoff history. I have, I've, I know guys have played with broken bones. Uh-huh. They've scored game winning goals in double overtime with broken bones. But this on guy a broken leg. This guy blocked a shot with his teeth. Lost seven teeth, and he was back there playing. And was it he was seven? immortalized. Seven teeth. He was yeah on the on the one the one, one block shot, shot? One, puck's pretty big you oh, know what wow yeah that's something yes uh, I love that song anyways that's that's the thing um, I guess we'll have I don't know we should we take phone calls I you know I don't, you know me Steve I, I um I'm used to I'm used to uh, either a filling twenty hours a week with thoughts and interaction or b filling zero hours a week with thoughts and interaction. So I'm ready, babe. I'm having trouble doing three. I think I, <laughs> so that's why at 140, we're going to replay the Jonathan Taves interview that McNeil and Parkins did with him. The captain was, was good. He was, was more good. expansive. Mm-hmm. And um, as long as we're talking hockey and the Hawks are playing, and they're not a good team, people. Let me tell you this. They can't win a game in regulation. They can't hold the lead. They can't win in regulation. They've gone to overtime. Overtime lies to you. Don't believe the points. Overtime lies to you. You win in regulation. That's a sign of a good team. Okay? Educated? We'll take a break. When we come back, I get our phone number is 312-644-6767. Our text number is 67011. And to what I don't know, this text came in. That description sounded like Gromstein. Was that your pathetic and something? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> Glory of Their Times by Lawrence Ritter. That's my book. You have to get the audio version. Okay. That's that's all I know. We are Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Do we agree on him? 
On what, on Jackson Brown? Yes. Oh, very much so. In fact, the he next... turned 70 this week. That's why I asked for it. The next Tributosaurus is Jackson Brown. Just announced when? last night. I did not announce. Last night? Last night. How come... First, I didn't get the memo. I know you, well, because it's, it's fresh, hot off the presses. Uh, first Wednesday and Friday of November. I can't wait. The catalog of songs is just tremendous. Going back to Doctor My Eyes. Uh, absolutely. From the first record, Saturate Before Using. Even though it's self-titled, but it says Saturate Before Using on there. So Wednesday and Friday of November. Uh-huh. Opening up following Halloween, your pre-Thanksgiving entertainment. Right. And where? Uh, Wednesday at Martyrs. Friday at Wire uh, there in November. You know, Jackson Brown at age 18 wrote the song These Days for Nico from the Velvet Underground and Nico. and Did was And was dating Nico at the time as well. Young Jackson Brown. Young getting Jackson it, getting Brown it done. Had, young, young Jackson Brown had quite the, cut the, quite the L.A. swath. Including, and the generos- generosity of his music, that Glenn Fry wrote about 17 words and got half the writing credit. For Take It Easy? Yes. Yeah. And... And the fact that imagining this whole Eagles, Jackson Brown, this the whole apartment building was filled with the whole Laurel Canyon scene. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes. And everybody whoever sounds there, Stevie Nicks is down there. Right. And, yeah. It, jo- Joni Mitchell's over there. Yes. It right. was a remarkable David day. Crosby's sleeping with eight women over there in that house. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So that was And if you walk well, around I'm glad Laurel... we agree. We saw we saw him at um at Ravinia mm-hmm. and he was wearing the kind of shirt. I am. It was a long sleeve, colorful, squared, button-down shirt. Long sleeve with, and the long sleeves were buttoned. When I was getting sweaty just looking at him, this was what you'd wear for like school pictures. This is what I imagined you were wearing. I go, oh my god! And then he starts running on empty, and and just the the um, the, the catalog that he has is is just amazing. And and tons of great deep cuts too. I don't know. I'm oh, just, yeah. I'm just a top 40 kind yeah, of Yeah, no, guy. T- tons of great deep cuts. And he never changed his hairstyle. He and Stevie Nicks and Tom Petty. You go 40, That's 50 true. years without changing your hairstyle. When you, you write songs to. that well, why bother? Yes, I don't have to. <laughs> All right. Um, this hour, Steve, is brought to you by Pearl Mortgage. Go to PERLDavid.com. And we're broadcasting from the Chicago Wolves Update Studio. Chicago Wolves open their 25th anniversary season tonight. Tonight at Allstate Arena, with rolled-back concession prices, free parking presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Kia dealers, visit ChicagoWolves.com. I made the mistake of giving out the phone number, and somebody called. Gary? Yes, hello there. Hi. Hey, uh, I was just uh What do you want to bother us to... about, Gary? <laughs> I was just calling to... Uh... Let you know not to count the Packers out so fast. You were kind of throwing them uh, in the trash there in the last segment. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. You really you think this is a juggernaut? Is that where you see the Packers? Uh, well, I think their offense hasn't gotten it going, and I and they obviously will with Rodgers there. And uh, I don't know about Mike obvious. Patton, uh, they, they've had Rodgers there. How is it so obvious? They haven't gotten their offense going with arguably the best quarterback in the league. I'm sorry, I can't connect will. those dots. Once they, once they, McCarthy realizes that Aaron Jones is the feature back there, there's giving some people him some who, more carries. Gary, there's some people who don't think McCarthy will realize anything except his exit interview. Yeah, I've lost a ton of respect for Mike McCarthy Thanks, over Appreciate the last the few years. I really have. Could you imagine winning one? 
I mean, this is Bobby Cox territory. How do you win one World Series with Maddox, Glavin, and, and Smoltz? Winning one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers? Boy, I take offense to that Bobby Cox um, comp for on if behalf of who? baseball. On behalf of baseball in general. Because how many divisions did they win? Okay, good. 13? Something yeah, like that? Yeah, good. Hang a banner. Be like the. Uh, okay. <laughs> hang a banner for regular season champions. Yeah, but uh, I mean, but this this guy, this, McCar- this McCarthy. This McCarthy. Uh, you know, and there's just, he's, no, he, he's not really getting the Aaron Jones thing. He's not realizing that. Um, the way that they have allocated. Uh, resources in terms of, uh, of of players and putting enough talent around Rodgers has been inferior. As far as this year in particular, Rodgers has one knee, and the other one well, is... Well, sorry, they're going to play the games anyway. I, I know Whatever they, number they are, of body parts you show up with. But he's he, he's been in decay since that game one, and apparently it took a step backwards further over the past week or so. So I, I, I think this is a massive opportunity for the Bears. Exactly. It's, it's a gigantic. That's, that was my point that the caller was referring to. It's the bonus year maybe because you thought it was just a year of development. But sometimes the division just presents itself for you. Minnesota's dug themselves a hole. I'm not a I'm not a buyer in Matt Stafford making all the plays he needs to make over the course no, of the make year. make a lot of them? Yeah. But, but not 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 all of them, nope. and then and then Rogers' health that he, uh, you didn't take advantage of the situation in week one, or else you'd be feeling a lot better about those things, and maybe that's going to come back and bite you in the ass because it always seems the, to. The better the second time, I, I believe they'll be better against him the second time against that team. What, what shape they're in? Can you imagine if they didn't have one of the most crushing losses in the in in, in the history of the franchise? If they didn't have that, it would in week make, one they'd be four and zero. It would make it much more interesting because again, we were talking earlier. The barometer for them, for me, is how mature are you, how smart are you, how resourceful are you. It's mm-hmm. a great time for a break. That smoke blowing up your ass for two weeks. Now, can you play a game? That you need to play to win. Do what you need to do to win. It doesn't have to be spectacular. You're not. This is not. We're not looking for glitz and entertainment. We're looking for a win and then move along because you're going to have the smartest coach in history, arguably next week, away from Sunday. You're going to face Bill Belichick. Luckily, you get him here because that. Not that that's mattered to Bears teams in the past. Here's something about Brady, by the way. I saw this um, on on the Twitter machine. Tom Brady led the NFL last year. He averaged 286.1 yards per game last year. Any guess where that would rank this year? 17th. It's still above Mitch Trubisky on average game. But that's how the offenses have exploded. Exactly right. Yes, exactly right. And, um, Remember, the Bears are 3-1, and one, and Mr. Biskey hasn't joined that crowd. He's not above the Brady line from last year. So there's still something to look forward to. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, Cubs, I know you spent a lot of time talking about it on Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce. Yeah, it feels like years ago already. Yeah. And Sahadev Sharma wrote a really great piece on Chris Bryant. Yes. Kind of, kind of clarifying some of um, the erroneous um, report. Or 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 whatever whatever was sent out. Yeah. Also, what does he make of what's the message sent by Chili Davis's firing? We all have our own ideas. We'll ask Sahadev what he does. He's he's extremely close to the situation. We'll get that. And I I don't know. Would you buy the idea that the Cubs are now 
the 2012 Blackhawks. Next year, they'll be a third year removed from a championship, a young core, and it was imperative that the Blackhawks didn't go out in the first round again the way they did in 11 and 12 after hmm. winning the Cup. Interesting. And they won the Cup, and they were young enough to do that. I know it's not a perfect comp. I should call Fels. Call faxes from Uncle Dale. Mm-hmm. He writes about the Hawks. He writes about the Cubs. But it struck me that as uh, in our tortured metaphor, our tortured comparisons, that is a team that's very similar. They did it. They learned. They got past the Cardinals like getting past the Red Wings. Right. They won the championship. And then, oh, my God, Patrick Kane won 13 games, scored one goal in 13 playoff games over the next two years. And so then, and so that and then what did they do? How did they came twenty thirty? Well, they how scored they two re- goals in seventeen seconds. Is what they did right. against Boston. But they also had Corey Crawford emerge as the official guy. They're right, big, their stars played like stars. Yeah, the big guys played better, and the Cubs are on the precipice of that. They need it to happen, and there's no reason to think it won't. Well, ask Sahadov if there's reason to believe that what you saw from some of the bad Cubs this year will continue or not. Rosenblum and Spiegel, we suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Is this okay with you, Speaks? Very much so. Weezer right. from the Blue Album? I'm we in. Let, we let our guests choose their walk-up music. Really? Sahadov chose this? That's outstanding. I, 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 we're not putting music in Sahadov's mouth, right? This is your music, <laughs> right? Your choice, right, Sahadov? Yeah, yeah. This is this is my choice. One of my favorite albums growing up. So, uh, so I'm sticking with it in, in my late 30s still. Speaks loves you. <laughs> Speaks, Speaks' head was bopping and I, I didn't, as it came on. And I, I didn't thought, know I loved Sahadov as much as I do. I had no idea. <laughs> He's Sahadov Shamra of The Athletic, mm-hmm. a terrific online site. He covers the Cubs, does a terrific job. And so let's get to it, Sahadov. What did you make? What's the message from the Chili Davis firing when it happened? Or was it just nine days late they made this decision when Theo was meeting with the press in the postmortem and they just couldn't announce it right then. What's the message and what happens now? Yeah, I think, well, I, I'm not sure if the decision was made when he met with us, uh, whatever that was, 10 days ago, but it was definitely part, uh, it's definitely part of a bigger plan. This can't be the only uh, step taken to fix this offense. The issues go much deeper. Uh, they're going to Spin it. I'm not sure if spin is the right word, but they're going to present this as this is not Chili Davis's fault. Uh, he just wasn't mixing right with this group, which tells me that this, you know, part of this was the group was a, this was a grad program for the group, right? Well, th- these kids weren't ready for that program. Apparently, uh, they weren't they weren't at that level just yet. They're not ready to take that next step. They still have uh, some other steps to take in their development. I think a lot of this has to go on the players. I think that's what this offseason is going to be about, weeding out the players that just aren't going to – that they are who they are and, and figuring out who still has an opportunity to grow, who can be the next Javi Baez, who can be the guy that, you know, reaches his potential, maximizes his potential. So, how do, do you think it does a disservice to these young players to have had, I believe it's nine – hitting coaches and or assistant hitting coaches in Theo's run. And now it'll be three in three years, three hitting coaches in three years for some of these young guys who have to continue to develop on the big league level. Does it do them a disservice overall? You know, yeah, possibly. Uh, so many different messages being presented uh, can be can be difficult for the kids. I also think, you know, this is something that uh, I probably would have disagreed with, but now I'm starting to to kind of – uh, 
understand maybe better or, or at least having watched it unfold. There's a, this is a deep team, right? This is a team. It, it has to be deep. Go look at go look at the teams in the playoffs right now. They're all deep. They they all present different lineups with the you know with regards to who's on the mound. That's how baseball is played right now. The Cubs need to be deep. But should you be a deep team of 23 to 25 year olds? Should Ian Happ be splitting time with Albert Almora, or should there be veterans that are taking you know veterans that are used to that are past this point in their development that are used to being part-time players should be should those be the guys that eat up uh you know 20 30 starts a season that are really talented but just you know aren't everyday players there's so much talent on this team i'm wondering if having so many young talented players their development has been stunted by this win now necessity uh remember when joe said it when they re-signed uh Dexter Fowler. He said it. That worked out perfectly, right? That was a veteran starting in center field, but because of the glut in the outfield, the perceived glut at the time, we didn't know Kyle Schwarber was going to tear up his knee, but because of the perceived glut, we thought, oh, who's who's going to struggle because of this? Which kid isn't going to get the development the development that they need? And that's happened every year since, since in a sense. So I don't, I don't know how big of a factor that plays as well. It's, it's the coaches. It's the inability to play every day. There's a lot of things stunting these guys' development, and perhaps they're just not good enough too. Maybe they're just maybe we've misevaluated them, or the front office has misevaluated some of them. And that's part of what I'm saying. They need to figure out who they misevaluated and who they need to stick with. Talking with Sahad of Sharma of the Athletic, he covers the Cubs. Does a terrific job. We're uh, talking baseball on the score. Theo got to that point in a hurry. It wasn't a, it wasn't loud, but it was. It resounded with me. It resonated with me that we have to look at production, not talent, not projection, but production. Which means he's making a decision on who's hit their ceiling. So who do you believe has hit their ceiling? Because I think one or two core players, one or two young core players, I think they trade them because he's. He's always been about some kind of foreshadowing, and this that was it for me. I could have misread it. I've been wrong yeah. before, but that's the way it looked like to me, which tells me they've got one or two guys they think have hit their ceiling for what they want to do. Do you, do you agree with that? And if so, who? Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Now, remember, I came away, I think many of us came away from last, last year's uh, postmortem with uh, Theo uh, kind of thinking the same, someone's going to be traded. But it wasn't said in the same way. It wasn't said in a way that uh, there was any unhappiness with the players that they had. It was more said in the way with that may be uh, the route that we have to take to fix the pitching problems that they perceived were the issue going into last offseason. This year it was said very differently. It was said in a way that we need to figure out who are the guys that are, are good enough. And And right now there's a list of them that – aren't good enough i mean first of all we know addison russell isn't coming back that's that's one guy who obviously never lived up to his potential on the field and has uh, a major issue off the field with the domestic violence suspension and you know i i expect him to be gone in some form i don't know what exactly they'll do but but i'd be shocked if he's back uh that's one clear guy that that's not going to be back with this team in my opinion so that that leaves three other guys because you're not messing with rizzo you're not messing with bryant i think you could say Wilson Contreras uh, struggled, of course, obviously. I wouldn't put him in that list of miscalculated his potential. Let's, let's see what, 
what he can do with the different philosophy as far as a hitting coach goes and all those different things. I think his potential is vast. I don't think they missed on him. It, it comes down to Schwarber, Happ, and Almora in my mind. Honestly, I don't think they missed on Almora. I think maybe some fans got carried away in that first half. Uh, fans and media, we got carried away in, in certain ways because that that was total Babbitt-fueled. Uh, luck, a lot of luck involved in him having that 330 batting average. He doesn't take walks. He doesn't hit for power. He doesn't really have the best approach, but he's a great defender. So you know what you have there. Is that something you want to move, or do you want to use him as a fourth outfielder? And then it comes down to Happ and Schwarber. Schwarber improved from 17. Happ regressed uh, significantly. A lot of his power was sapped, which was the, you know across the board for the team. I think those are the three guys that I focus on. If I had to guess, I'd say Schwarber may be gone. When, when you talk about what this front office uh, who they've loved over the years, who they may have misevaluated. Did they miss on, on Schwarber? I, I mean, through three years now, however many seasons he's been in the big leagues, outside of, you know, we, one big year where he completely missed the season, but he he hasn't looked like the guy that all of us were being told he would be, right? He, this is a guy who was supposed to be special on offense. He's very good. He's above average on offense, but unless, you know, what we were told was uh, MVP caliber offense was potential, and we're not seeing that. I don't know if he can ever get to that point, but perhaps it's best uh, that that's figured out in the American League. Yeah, I, I don't think they thought they'd be getting this, which is a very good version of, like, Jack Cust. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, this is <laughs> this is a lefty bopper, but not the kind of hitter. Let me they see thought he, similarities. They, they thought he was potentially going to be a really, really good hitter. And that is that has not been the case. It's interesting how you talk about, you know, the pieces on all these different teams that are in the playoffs. And if there's anything to learn, yeah, look how deep and loaded all of these rosters are with matchup capabilities from both sides of the plate. And a lot of them are very established veterans who are being asked to do less, like Ian Kinsler or Travis Shaw or Jonathan Scope or like any of these guys like, all right, yeah, no, you're really good, but we're still Mike Moustakas only going to ask you to hit against certain kinds of pitchers. And that's just the way you do it. Brock Holt, great. You hit for the cycle. Sit down. It's Kinsler's turn, you know? So go out and get those veterans instead of hoping that Ian Happ develops into that lefty, um, who can who can pound right-handed power hitter, power pitchers? You know, go out and find the veteran who fits that better. Exactly, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not saying I, I know exactly who they should go get. Who's the guy to you know? Who's the guy to add to this team? When I hear something, like, I thought of this all of a sudden last night. I don't know why, but uh, I kept hearing the word edge and and you know sense of urgency. And, and bringing in a new element into this clubhouse, whether it was them losing brings that uh, new element into the clubhouse or they have to bring it from the outside. And I wondered, how much would it cost to, to bring in Andrew McCutcheon? Not as the main piece, not the, guy to cha- not the guy to completely change the offense, but you're talking about hunger, you're talking about edge, you're talking about a guy that's desperate for a ring. I mean, that's going to be a guy that's going to show up every day. Does he need to play every day? Probably not. I don't know what it would cost. I don't know if that if it makes a ton of sense for this team exactly. But if you're not going to get Bryce Harper, if you can get Manny Machado and your second piece is Andrew McCutcheon to the offense and you make some trades, I would say that's a successful offseason. Uh, off Obviously, you get one of Harper and Machado. You probably could just end it right there and say it's a successful offseason. But I'm saying that's a guy that you don't have to play every day in my mind. I, I, you know, 110 games a, uh, in a season, 
put him in the right matchups, and this is a guy that's going to add that element to your clubhouse that you desperately need. That's just one name that popped into my mind when you keep talking about Edge and, and you keep talking about uh, we need a veteran that can, that can you know, take up some of the time, uh, you know, give these kids a break every now and then, but not be the guy that, that's there all, all the time. Uh, that, that's one name that popped into my mind. Really interesting work on The Athletic yesterday from both Eno Saris and Ken Rosenthal on the Baltimore Orioles, who have long been, in my mind, the sucker at the table um, in some of these trades going it back. It doesn't take a half an hour. Uh, no, right. <laughs> like, to spot the sucker at no, the table. No, I, I mean, you look at the Jake Arietta deal, and there were and lots. Pedro Strope. Uh, Pedro Strope, and, and lots of others because they have not successfully um, used analytics to get the most out of their players. And, and the stuff yesterday about both the pitchers, like Zach Britton and these other guys saying, oh, yeah, no, there's information out here. I had no idea. Priceless was quote there. for when he went to the Yankees. Unbelievable. And, and they all had to be cookie cutter. Right, exactly. All do it the same way. The Orioles. So when it comes to pitching, but then the stuff from Eno about how Machado's been better at shortstop defensively yeah. in L.A. because of seemingly positioning and better wisdom than he was given access to in Baltimore. Can Machado be a shortstop if the Cubs were to sign him? Could they really play him at shortstop? And is he better than we think? That's, I mean, it's very legitimate that that's a possibility. I mean, he's he's always been considered, I mean, we've seen him at third base, and he's brilliant at third base. First of all, he just moved back to shortstop, so it was going to be a process anyways, right? We didn't really give him enough time to... To, to really see before we just judge, ah, this guy can't play short. He's not very good. Uh, you know, he's a great third baseman. Just put him back there. I mean, I was guilty of that too, making snap judgments. So the combination of time and better coaching, better positioning, sure. And it's not like the Cubs have bad coaching or positioning when it comes to infield defense. We all know that they've that they they've done a great job with that. They've always had great talent there, and they've they've done a good job of maximizing that defensive talent. I mean, even they're even, they even make uh, Ben Zobris look like a above average second baseman at times, <laughs> in my opinion. I, and I think hey, that's, I'm, I'm supposed to take those shots, not you. <laughs> well, I mean, and here's the thing we can, we can appreciate Ben Zobris more because we watched a month and a half of, of uh, Daniel, Murphy. Daniel Murphy there. Right. And that was, that was rough. That, I mean, yes. I'm not, I don't want to rip the guy, but that was, that was really bad defense at second base. And it helped me appreciate. Well, Ben Zobris isn't a bad defender. He's a smart. He's a smart defender. He knows. He, he's got a great first step. He, he he knows where to position himself. And and the Cubs know where to position him too. And they really maximize that talent. Certainly, I think they could maximize Manny Machado's talent on defense. And you think about that infield defense all of a sudden. Then and you're talking about four all stars in the infield with a Wilson Contreras as the catcher, a fifth all star. Especially if he can bounce back. I mean, you have Bryant. Machado, Baez, and Rizzo. The more I think about it, the more I start to lean that you go Machado over Harper. Of course, it takes more than just what you want. It's, it's what it's what the player wants and who where they decide and, and the money that the Cubs are willing to spend. All that stuff is involved, of course. But if you have your choice of those two, I, I'm starting to lean Machado more than Harper. And it just, I mean, infield defense, all those little things add up, and all of a sudden now you're you're talking about a really special offensive core on that infield. And if you want to add to it, I would suggest they go after Brandon Woodruff because they know he can pitch out of the bullpen <laughs> and he can hit in October, which is something they need. Sahadev, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Terrific work. Of thanks course. for sharing it with us. But thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. Thanks, All right, Sahadev. that's Sahadev Sharma of The Athletic. Can you believe it? Brandon Woodruff is tied with Disco Tony Rizzo for Cubs home run with home runs in October. 
Oh, God. Okay. By the way, I heard that you guys awesome talking about time. him earlier, about what a smart hitter he is, right? Rizzo. And I thought it would be a great mob name, Tony B. Hack. I thought that would be a good name. <laughs> or Anthony B. Period Hack. <laughs> that, would just, that would be it. All right. He's your new batting coach, Anthony B. Hack. That's the All dream. Right. Madden wants everybody to have that B. Hack. That's fine. That's a smart play. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, me and Spiegel, we're going to talk with J.J. Stankovitz of NBC Sports Chicago. Talk some Bears. They're playing the Dolphins. And um, I don't know if the Dolphins are even going to show up. That's just the way this thing is doping out. Rosenblum and Spiegel. We suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 